The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is with us from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net and call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, Don. Good to see you. And I see you brought a friend with you, John Juris. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Scott. John, good morning to you and welcome to the uh, show. Give us a little bit of background here and how you fit in under this umbrella and how you know Don Fox. Well, well, good morning to the both of you, and I can't thank Don enough for the uh, for the opportunity to join the both of you this morning. Um, not unlike Donnie, I guess I'm I'm a lifer here at IG in my 32nd year. Uh, I've had the privilege of um, of uh, being the regional director of our Hamilton Financial Planning Center since uh, 2002. Uh, I got to know Don obviously very early in my career, and we've had the uh, we've had the privilege now of uh, of working together for almost uh, almost 20 years. So uh, it's just uh, it, it's been a great uh, it's been a great relationship both professionally and personally. And you know, uh, as you know, Don is just recognized as one of the most senior and accomplished consultants to ever represent our organization. And it's a privilege for me to work alongside with him, and, and a privilege additionally for me to join the both of you this morning. And, and it truly is. Uh, it's nice to have the depth. And, John, you know, John and I, we joke around a lot, but it's always nice to have him kind of sitting on the bench if we do need something for our clients, particularly. And uh, he, he knows where to point where we can get some information from head office. And so we have this, uh, you know, kind of a working relationship that it's almost like, OK, hit the couple dials on the phone and bingo, John's on the phone, able to help us out and, of course, help out our clients. So uh, we've... Uh, We've known each other, as John said, a long time, going back to or right back to your rookie year. Um, and then he's uh, since gone through the ranks of a division director and then an art, a regional director and has looked after the Hamilton office. Um, again, you said around 20 years now, John. So time, yeah, time flies when you're having fun. It certainly <laughs> does. And then more so when you're working with great people, Foxy. Well, thank you. How's that for a plug this morning? <laughs> I, I guess I owe you something for that one. <laughs> But uh, yes, John, you you had um, you know you're you're kind of kind of you know nice thing about having you here. You have a kind of a greater scope of view of what's going on. I know you're dealing with our head office on uh, almost daily, and, uh, and and certainly I thought uh, our listeners would like to hear kind of the you know the more general um, you know ten thousand foot view of what's going on in our industry. Yeah, that, that's um, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great lead in, Don, because as you know, and understanding my role, I mean, I look at things more from a from a macro from a macro level. And we talked, when we talked um, uh, the, uh, earlier about the kind of message you wanted me to, to, to deliver to the audience today, you asked me maybe to consider a view, you know, from 40,000 feet. And, you know, it's interesting, the timing of our, uh, of our conversation this morning, because next week, as you know, I'm headed to New York City for the World Business Forum, which is a leadership conference that features uh, some of the best presidents and CEOs and thought leaders from, from, from around the globe. And about five or six years ago, one of the key themes that emerged from the conference is that big, reputable international organizations were really moving a little bit away from vision and mission and more towards purpose. 
in other words, you know, why do we come into work and, and, and what motivates us? And, and obviously, as you know, Scott Don is in his 37th year. As I just mentioned, I'm in my 32nd year with IG. And I know what motivates us is really a sincere and genuine desire to, you know, to improve the financial lives of the people that we have the privilege of serving every day. So really an important part of my job as, as the regional director for the office is really to consistently remind our team of really the nobility of our work and why perhaps now more than ever, uh, financial advisors are, are really needed. So what I thought I would do, uh, Don and Scott, maybe just to get started is, is really share some numbers and statistics with your audience. These are Canadian-based numbers that I that I, I really consider relevant. And, and what I have found is that while much has really changed in the world over the last three decades, the, the challenges the average Canadian family faces with respect to their their financial planning hasn't changed. We're confronted, I think, with a really uh, a significant uh, planning dile- uh, dilemma. So l- let me start with a, uh, with a study that was conducted by Statistics Canada going back to 2003. And again, if either one of you have any questions for me, stop me at any time. But uh, Statistics Canada surveyed 6,500 people, working people between the ages of 45 and 59. And, and what motivated the study was, was an assessment of the financial pulse of the average Canadian family. And the study generated a number of fascinating conclusions, but two for me really stood out first. One in five surveyed uh, found or feel or felt at that time that they would never be able to, to retire. And the study also found that about one in three people felt financially unprepared for retirement, that financial insecurity appeared to be driving many people to think that they would never be able to quit working. So that's from 2003. Let's fast forward to 2012. And this was a, a poll conducted for TD Canada Trust. And at that time, this was right around RRSP season, they found that one in three Canadians in their 40s hadn't opened an RRSP and less than half said that they contribute to an, uh, to an RRSP annually. And this, despite the, the reality that the data also showed at that time that we were saving less than ever, were overwhelmed by even the most basic financial considerations, and our spending was through the roof with debt to disposable income at a staggering 163%. And finally, if we can just, you know, move forward one more time just before the the pandemic, this is in March of 2019, Sun Life came out with its uh, its Sun Life barometer. And again, at that time, they polled 2,151 Canadians that were employed between the ages of 20 to 64. And what they found is that 44% of the people they polled at that time, almost one in two, expected that they'll be fully employed at age 66. 47 believe that there is a serious risk that they would outlive their retirement savings. And the survey also found that three and four working Canadians don't have a financial plan. So what this tells me now, and we can, we'll move forward in a few moments to some, a recent study rather that, that talks about how we're feeling today, um, you know, hopefully post pandemic, but the one common thread in all of this, when it, when it really kind of comes to financial planning or on the investing side, the one common theme still today is that the vast majority of Canadian families or individuals, they feel unprepared for retirement. They don't think they're going to have enough money and most still don't have a financial plan. So this goes back and I think validates my assessment earlier, my belief anyway, that working with a financial advisor today is perhaps more important than it ever has been. My point to that, uh, that I wanted to bring up, and, and you mentioned something you said now more than ever when we started all of this, uh, how has a global pandemic changed people's perspective of all of this? 
Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you asked that because, again, there's studies now, Scotty, uh, Scott, that are coming out that talk, um, you know, that talk about how people are feeling as we emerge from a once-in-a-generation pandemic. Uh, Angus Reed, the, the Angus Reed Institute came out with a study earlier this year. And, and what they found, and, and hopefully this answers your question to a degree, is about two-thirds of the people, again, they polled earlier this year, they're worried about having enough money to support themselves in retirement. And, and more importantly, I think worries related to saving for the future, credit card debt, and, and most importantly, and maybe we can all appreciate this, the anxiety over someone in their household perhaps losing a job are all indicators of a, of a pervasive anxiety, really, that's currently consuming a good chunk of the population. And let's not forget that, that more than 12 million Canadians received CERB last year. And so it's understandable why, why this collective anxiety, I think, is well-placed. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of interesting, JJ, when you're when you're when you go through all this and all the different software packages that are out there and free downloads and and they're trying to replace that saying, okay, you can get your own. It's almost like doing your own will. You can get your own financial plan by hitting a few buttons. And yet the anxiety level keeps rising, which means they aren't even if they do it themselves they're still not confident that they're going to be able to retire. And as those studies had shown, there's a whole lot of people going to be working at 66. Not that, you know, I personally love the fact that people do continue to work, but I like it to be their choice, not because they have to work, because they choose to work. Exactly. And I think, unfortunately, we're facing a situation today, Fox, the Foxy, where, you know, the vast majority of people that are working in the country beyond 65 are working because they have to, not because they want to. And, you know, very quickly, you talked about, uh, you talked about wills and powers of attorney. Law Pro is is a big organization in Toronto. They provide liability insurance to about 20,000 lawyers in Upper Canada. And they, they produced a survey in 2012. And they assessed 2,000 Canadian adults at that time. And what they found is that you were just talking about wills. Six in 10 Canadians didn't have a will. Seven in 10 didn't have a signed power of attorney. In other words, understanding that wills and powers of attorney are governed provincially, seven in 10 people in the province of Ontario hadn't done enough to protect themselves and their families from the province's Substitute Decisions Act. So again, these are all the common, I think, challenges that the average Canadian family faces and, and obviously, the stress and the anxiety, I think, created by the pandemic has only exasperated these, these challenges. And it goes back to my initial you know, kind of thought at the beginning uh, on, on why I think working with a financial advisor, somebody that you like and trust, perhaps, is more important today than it ever has been. Do you think you're going to see more and more people come knocking on your doors because of that? They are just at this point with everything that's going on. There's just so much anxiety. I got to get this off my plate. <laughs> yeah, I could, you know, I could speak on behalf of the region uh, collectively, uh, Scott, because I have the privilege of, of managing about 45 uh, planners and associates. Our, our business, our business, overall business in the office year to date is about, up about 40% year over year. And the number of new clients that, that we're attracting and, and bringing into uh, uh, not just to the office, but to the company, it's just it's been it's been incredible for me to watch, particularly when you consider that most of this work over the last year has been done virtually. So I think what we're finding is mm. that people, uh, yeah, people realize now more than ever that they need to entrust their their financial planning into the hands of a professional. And I think regardless of who you're dealing with, I, I, I really I, I couldn't I couldn't suggest or encourage people to do anything other than, other than any, any more than that, frankly. And, and possibly the fact that they have been home, they can't travel, they can't do a whole lot of things in the past year or so. Um, they've had a chance to kind of sit back and say, you know what, I could probably, 
get a financial plan done. I really need this because I don't know. I I, mean, I got a lot of issues going on, and they've taken this time to go over this and and have a uh, sit back and really go over all their planning needs. And this has been again to you what you just said, John, is uh, we're having a massive increase in the amount of new clients that have jo- uh, looked at our company. Absolutely. And there you go. Uh, A pandemic has literally ground all of our lives to a halt. There is nothing, no excuse now for not getting this stuff done. Uh, We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. He has brought John Juris with us. And you can uh, reach all of them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with John Juris from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can reach them all at 905-972-7420. That's at IG Private Wealth Management or donfox.net. Don, you wanted to talk about the cost of a financial plan and uh, I guess benefit versus cost. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, John just laid out a lot of numbers, which are alarming. It's interesting. If we went back all the way to 1985, when I joined this company, there was some similar charts back then. And I'm sure if you went back 30 years before that, there were some similar charts that, you know, it, people were always striving to try to become financially independent, yet failing. And most of it wasn't the fact they, they didn't have the wherewithal to get there. They didn't have the plan to get there. And so fast forward now, 37 years, as John aged me there in the previous segment, <laughs> uh, you fast forward and you, and you say, okay, we have the wherewithal and we have the planners. Now what? And what's the cost? And certainly people are, know about a financial plan more than ever. So in fact, all the banks you're seeing, if you look at the, any of their advertisements, they're talking about financial planning now rather than GIC rates. So things have changed a lot over the years. And one kind of subsector of the financial planning field is a fee-for-service planner. And this is where you're paying somebody to do a financial plan for you. And it's and basically, it's kind of a niche market. There's, you know, a hundred or so of these. It's becoming a little larger over, over the years and how many people are what they call fee-for-service but they're generally for people that handle their own investments. They want to do all the investments themselves um, and they want to keep that separate to the financial planning. And that may or may not be good. Okay. We don't, they, we, they don't actually go over this, but to actually have a financial plan done for you, a low budget one would cost about $1,500. And on the higher end, you're looking up towards $10,000 for a financial plan. And this, goes through a lot of the things that we discuss all the time. And, and this what, the one thing they don't do, they don't invest money, they don't discuss investments. They might talk about what investments you have, whether they are good or bad. Um, it didn't go into detail, but there's some transparency. Uh, they'll tell you what the fees are because you're paint, writing a check. And they, they consider it conflict-free because there's no biasness per se. They're saying, okay, we're going to charge you $5,000 and we're not recommending investments. If you want to go to the investments, you go somewhere else. So they, they look at this as conflict-free. Now, that being said, 
um, if you have a very good financial planner, they should be rightfully conflict-free. In fact, to have your certified financial planning designation, one of the main attributes of that is the fiduciary duty to our clients, which means you're looking after the client's best interest and you're not looking after which product might pay them more. Okay. And in fact, if that is the case, you certainly don't have a CFP. Um, I came across one just in the past week, and I, I was shocked to hear this, to be honest, because I haven't heard this for probably a decade. A planner was recommending them go from his current firm to a new firm and charging them 3% to move the money to the new firm. I haven't even heard of front end fees for his. I, again, JJ, you, you could probably tell me more than me, but when's the last time you heard of um, front end fees on investments? No, I mean, you know, with the industry changing, Donnie, the way it has over the years, I mean, you know, that I think that model um, more or less really has gone the way of the dodo bird. We very rarely come across situations like that, if at all. And, and I honestly came across it this past week. So I was quite shocked to hear this. So again, once the alarm bells go up, when I heard that this person was, and, and, and again, this is a listener to this show. He then contacted me and we're, we're going to go into things in, in greater detail. But so the fee for service is another method. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. Um, the key part is to follow the plan and to make sure. So when you have this cost to run your financial plan every year, that's an annual cost. And to make sure you're updating your plan and keeping up with it. And so you do need this uh, this service level to make sure you are doing what you say you're going to do because a plan is only as good as following it. As, it's like any other, those how-to books and everything else, seminars you go to, they often end up, the smartest library is often the one sitting there in the back shelf. You haven't read any of the books yet. You haven't done any of the stuff, but there's a great library there of things that you should be doing. And that's a financial plan if you're not following it. You know, the, um, the do-it-yourself uh, industry is a whole model unto its own, whether you're financial planning, whether you're fixing your eavesdrops, there's a whole <laughs> industry just in doing it yourself. Yeah, but the challenge, Scott, and to really kind of expand on Don's point is that if you, if you take a look at the two things really that get in the way of building a rock solid financial plan, number one, it's procrastination. Yeah. I'll put off, I'll put it off what I can do, um, you know, I'll, I'll do tomorrow, ultimately what I could do today or inevitably what I could do today. And secondly, uh, what gets in the way of a lot of financial plans, and Don knows this more than anyone, is, is emotion. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and letting emotion get in the way can really derail a financial plan. So this is not just the importance of having a plan, but working with an advisor that you like and that you trust that basically serves as the quarterback of your family's financial plan. I think that's what we're really emphasizing more than anything else. Uh, absolutely, John. And it's kind of interesting. You look at the healthcare system and, and I know, uh, you know, you may be, some of the listeners may be going through a lot of specialists at this stage, or perhaps your parents are or grandparents are, and all these specialists then go down to the general practitioner, um, your GP, if you will. And they have all the information and they're kind of the quarterbacking your financial, your health. Mm-hmm. We're kind of doing it on the financial health saying, okay, you go talk to your lawyer. This is what we should probably include in your will. Um, send us the draft and we'll take a look at it to make sure, you know, they, everything looks to what we discussed and then they will finish off the, the process. Uh, your accountant, and we have a lot of discussions with accountants, it says, ask your accountant about this situation. And again, comes back to us and say, great. So we understand intimately what's going on with their overall financial well-being. And so a financial, true financial plan, and we've talked about this many times, is a lot more than simply investment planning. Um, 
And, and the idea that a fee-for-service is transparent, well, our whole industry is transparent. Thankfully, it was not transparent for the first, say, 25 years of my career. And we would discuss clients what the cost of investment was. Thankfully, they have uh, compliance has made this front and center so that all clients knows what, know what they're paying in terms of the cost of advice and the cost of investment. It's all two different segments. And normally, um, your non-registered part of your portfolio, the cost of advice is also tax deductible. Okay. So it's in the investments part, it's, it's interesting. We've gone so far away from stockbrokers saying, okay, you should buy this particular stock. Then it went to mutual funds saying, okay, here's a basket of stocks you should buy and let the manager do all the, all the buys and sells on your behalf and likely would do a better job than the average layman. And then it's gone one step further to what we call managed solutions. And where you're not only getting managers, you're getting allocations between countries in fixed income, in private equity, in ETFs, and they are managing this solution for you based on your risk tolerance. And if you look at that, isn't that really what most pension plans are? Hmm. They're, they're looking at your kind of pension plan, your, your superannuation, if you're a teacher or hoop, if you're in the healthcare worker, police pensions, they're doing the same thing. They look at the overall um, age on average. They look at the risk they should be taking and the returns that they find acceptable. And that's what we do now as financial planners. And that's where the industry has gone to these managed solutions because I um, certainly do not know which stock to buy. We have a you know, security specialist that will take that on, that job to see what's a good or a bad stock. But again, it's gone so far beyond that to where we see managed solutions. I'm a big advocate of this. I feel that the experts such as BlackRock, who run trillions of dollars of running allocations, will do a better job than the average broker or even financial planner for that matter. And so they're... And just to expand on no, just to expand on that, Don, if I can, and, and Scott, I'm sure as you, you can appreciate, you know, what's frustrating for Don and I is that people today are more focused maybe on the cost of investing as opposed to looking at what they're getting for what they're paying for. Yeah. And and an easy solution for people is just to run and turn to the bank. And and what what's fascinating is that today there's about four point four trillion dollars in Canadian discretionary financial assets. Of that number, there's about one point four trillion dollars sitting in the bank in deposits in guarantees, earning absolutely nothing, because that's the safe and easy way out for people. If I go to the bank, it doesn't cost me anything, and if it's in a guaranteed investment, it's it's, it's safe. And yet, if you have like investable assets outside of your outside of RSPs, non-registered assets. You're earning nothing in interest. Interest is still at historic lows. So, but if it is earning interest, the government's going to take half. They're going to get their piece. And 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 all the rage today, as you know, is inflation and the cost of goods and services. Inflation is surging through the roof, which erodes the real value of your return even more. So, for people in, that that feel that 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 guaranteed investments on its own is the way to go, well, after taxes and inflation, you're earning a negative rate of return. Better to keep the money in your backyard, like Tony <laughs> Soprano used to do, because it at least the government's not taxing it, you know? So again, this is the value, the value of advice and the value of talking to someone that at least expands, uh, you know, really kind of expands your knowledge in terms of what investable options are there for you safely and effectively. And yeah, great point, John. And what I often find is people look at the return they're getting, but they don't see the opportunity costs. They don't see what they're missing out on. 
And quite often I'll say, okay, a client, here's a client that has a million dollars, let's say. Well, they could have had two or three million had they done things differently, but they don't know that. And they're very happy with what they've accomplished and good for them. A million dollars is a lot of money, but that money sitting in a bank account today, earning zero, as John just mentioned, after inflation, inflation is running between three and 4% right now. It's And, and I had a discussion with a client um, talking about their grocery bill and they can't believe it's only three or 4%. They're thinking it's it's 10 or 12 or 15% as much as the listeners uh, going to any of the grocery stores right now would attest to, I'm sure. And certainly you can look at the gas prices too, at the pumps. So yeah. we're we're seeing that yet your money is sitting there earning zero and so it's literally going backwards by that amount every year it's actually going it's actually decreased you can actually buy less now than a year ago because it didn't earn anything so it's extremely important to look after those assets and have them invest of course you do need a a liquid money to pay bills and so forth but as john just mentioned there's trillions of dollars earning literally zero and Clients often, or people often say, well, you know what, there's no, it's a low interest rate environment, but they don't look at what it, it's costing them. And if, if they actually saw it cost them 5%, they might think twice because on a million dollars, that's $50,000 at 5%. And that's the opportunity cost if you were to make a 5% rate of return elsewhere. So, Don, you and I, Don, you and I used to talk uh, for years about when this would all change. Interest rates were, uh, you know, historic lows. When is it, you know, is this uh, the new normal? And then eventually, obviously, it has become the new normal, or at least for the last several years. Do you think perhaps people are just kind of lulled into that where, you know, it's not costing us a lot, everything's low. And then once again, everything kicks in post pandemic, inflation starts to go up. Now they're going to start paying attention after really being asleep for the last decade. Well, that's a good point. Generally speaking, economics 101, going right back to my McMaster's days, if, you, if interest rates rise, I mean, if inflation rises, interest rates follow. And there's a disconnect right now. Um, there's talk about is this being a temporary inflationary time and things will drop right back down now. Recently, in the last week, they're talking, well, it's lasting a little longer than they expected. And so there is a, a, a connection normally between inflation and interest rates. Now, the government is very you know, determined not to increase interest rates at this time because, again, they're trying to keep the economy going. And also, not to mention, they've also put a lot of debt themselves in, uh, on the backs of Canadians, and they don't want to run up massive deficits. So the higher the interest rates, the more interest costs they have, too. So it's a bit of a catch-22 for the government to raise interest rates. I know in the U.S. they are discussing small interest rate increases right now. And if that happens, Canada generally follows suit. And if they don't, our Canadian dollar goes down. So again, there's so many moving parts when it comes to interest rates, Scott. It makes it very difficult. And I know there's a whole lot of home buyers that have taken, gotten a lot more debt, and particularly during this pandemic through either buying a personal residence for their own house or rental properties. And there's a huge surge in those too. And so generally speaking, if you can lock up for around that 2% area and know that you don't have a, an increase happening in the, in the next five years, I personally would take that because there's a lot of indications saying interest rates might go up. And if they don't, oh, well, it's not the worst thing to pay around 2% interest because I, I, that's an excellent interest rate. 
We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox, along with John Juris, are here. Fox Group Private Wealth Management, donfox.net to find out more. Or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and John Juris are here. IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them at 905-972-7420. All part of the Fox Group Private Wealth Management umbrella, donfox.net to find out more. John, it's interesting with you being um, a manager and in in an overview, have an overview of all of this. Uh, and you talked about the business growing. What about careers in financial planning? Is this something that young people should be interested in? Because we certainly know that the template of life post-pandemic is going to change. Yeah, I really appreciate you asking me that, Scott. And as you know, we, we spent a great deal of time earlier talking about why working with a financial advisor is probably more important now than ever for the average Canadian family. And, and obviously, as, as Donnie well knows, one of my primary responsibilities as the regional director here in Hamilton is to grow our team uh, with great people. The, the financial or the financial planning industry is one of the fastest growing industries in the country. And, and Don and I like to think that, that, we, that we represent the, pre- or, the preeminent organization in that regard. So one of the common questions you know, I get understandably every day is what kind of qualifications would I, would I need to join your team? So in other words, if I'm interested in getting into the financial services industry, if I'm looking at a career with IG, you know, where, where, would, I, where would I start? And I think the first thing that, that, that people would have to understand is that what we're selling, we're offering a, a sales career, a sales career specializing in the area of comprehensive financial planning. Now, that said, is education important? Of course, it's important. Uh, you know, the learning in our profession is incredibly dynamic, as I'm sure you can appreciate. So your commitment to self-development in that regard is, is paramount. Uh, so for example, if you're in the audience and we were talking about working with an advisor, my first advice to you is you really should be working with a certified financial planner, uh, a CFP, that the certified designation in our in our industry. So, you know, that that would be very, obviously very important, either, either uh, getting that designation or working uh, towards it. But really, Scott, I think more to the point, success, uh, success in our line of work is really driven by the, I think, the intangibles that define a person. And I think with Don's experience, he would certainly agree. In other words, maybe the qualities that we can't necessarily see. So like, what would I be looking for as a regional director as an, as, and as an employer? Uh, well, are you passionate? Are you likable? Are you trustworthy? Are you driven to improve the results in your life and, and the results of the people that you'll ultimately serve? You know, do you consider yourself a winner? Do you possess an insatiable desire to succeed? And finally, and, and perhaps most importantly, are you willing to accept the risks that, uh, that defines the life of an entrepreneur? And uh, depending on how you answer those questions, that would probably be the starting point for, for you and I to have a conversation about what a career opportunity at IG Wealth Management might look like. Do you find that uh, there are more and more young people becoming interested in not only their own finances, but finance in general? It seems that, uh, you know, there's been chatter about financial literacy uh, of late and and starting kids younger and, and learning the process. Is that paying off or, you know, because 
uh, obviously, I would assume people who are into this business uh, are good at that sort of thing anyway, would be, you know, naturally motivated to do so. Is that changing? I think a little bit, uh, and Don could probably expand on this as well. I think that we find with the younger generation now, they're, they're, they're kind of coming out of school thinking that they can do it on their own. Again, we're going back to the do-it-yourself yeah. you know, kind of uh, process or argument, which is frankly, in our eyes, uh, uh, debatable. Uh, the other interesting thing about the younger generation, however, is that, remember, we're building a business here. You're, you're starting your life as an entrepreneur. And in a lot of ways, what I have found, and I've been, I've been doing this now for close to 30 years, is that parents are kind of getting in the way of young kids today thinking, well, you know, maybe you might want to go look at, a, at an institution and an organization where there's a guaranteed salary and it's safe and secure. Not unlike what we were talking about earlier, similar parallels to how people invest and, and maybe gravitating maybe towards the choice that's maybe the easiest or the most conservative. So it, it's, it's interesting. Um, regardless of your age, to me, if you're driven by, by many of those intangibles that I just discussed, I, I, would, I would be more than, than uh, excited and willing to talk to you about what an, what, what an opportunity here might mean to you. Again, it's, I'm, I'm a little biased and enthusiastic. This is all I've ever done. I joined IG personally, not unlike Donnie, right out of school. This is all I've ever done. And working here has allowed me to live a life and to earn an income and establish relationships in ways that I just never thought possible. So it's kind of hard for me to contain my enthusiasm, but always willing to talk to anybody with an open mind. And young people also have to remember that times are continually changing. If you are standing still, the world is moving past you. And what ne what necessarily worked or, or what has worked in your parents' generation doesn't necessarily work in today's generation. And the same thing, the generations in the future. Yeah, I, exactly. I can't. You're absolutely right, Scott. And it's kind of interesting going through our, our, you know, the how younger people are coming into this business. It has changed dramatically, where you could start on your own, but it, more so, it's there seems to be a mentorship and going under a team and then evolving um, as part of the team. And that's how you know how, frankly, how I've created our my team here. With there's now four financial planners working with Fox Group Private Wealth. Yeah, great point. And it's 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 far more difficult now. That being said, uh, John, you you've seen people as work in the competitors' field coming now to IG, and doing extremely well because they've already have um, relationships with already clients, and they can take some of those clients to a different platform. But from a new standpoint, or a brand new person coming out of university, it is a harder way to start. And being part of a team and getting mentored is a key. I think that's a great point, Donnie. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and John Juris are here, IG Private Wealth Management. You can reach them at 905-972-7420, all part of Fox Group Private Wealth Management. And you can reach Don at donfox.net. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and John Juris are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Don, you touched on this uh, last week, just the cost of pets and during a pandemic, how much that has gone up. 
Yes, and I didn't quite get to finish everything I wanted to discuss then because, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. This pandemic has just boomed the whole pet industry, cats mm-hmm. and dogs. And as I mentioned in the previous show, you used to see two people walking because they couldn't do anything around the block. Now you see two people walking around with a dog. Yeah. And it's great. It, it, it's, been, it's getting people outside and it gives a purpose to walking. And one thing I – and this is 2019, this, this statistic – $5 billion was spent on pets and pet food in Canada in 2019. Fast forward a couple of years, I have a feeling that number is a lot more than it was. Mm-hmm. And for good reason, you know, the benefits of pet ownership have shown a lot of different things. And, you know, right away, you know, I, I'm a big follower of this uh, person, his name. And again, I, I asked the listeners, actually Google Dr. Mike Evans. There's this one segment he puts up is called 23 and a half hours. In fact, my, uh, now he's retired, but my doctor at the time recommended me watch this. And I know clients that have watched this say, wow, that's fascinating. And it just talks about the impact on exercise. And so it's kind of funny when I looked at the benefits of pet ownership, they showed a decrease in blood pressure, a decrease in cholesterol, a decrease in loneliness, increase in exercise, and increase in social because I find the uh, pet owners seem to find more pet owners yeah. and there's dog parks and they yeah. go to the dog park and they meet new people that way. And it, it's, it's actually fascinating on, on, on what pets have done. And now that people can work virtually, they're finding themselves saying, okay, you know what, if I'm going to stay here, I'm going to have a, a dog or a cat, keep me company, particularly for singles, but even the married people that I never thought would have ever owned a, a, a pet are now getting pets. So it was interesting if this 23 and a half hours by Dr. Mike Evans, it showed the biggest impact on health was this intervention called exercise. It showed a 47% reduction in arthritis, a 50% reduction in dementia, a 58% reduction in diabetes, 46% in anxiety, and even 47% decrease in depression. All these are massive quality of life differences which they found that people walking dogs end up averaging 150, 158 minutes per week of walking their dog. And that's almost five days of 30 minutes a day, which goes to that whole point of 23 and a half hours. Basically, it's telling you, you can sit around for 23 and a half hours a day. Just make sure you go and walk and do something activity-wise for half an hour a day. Of course, if you can stretch it to an hour, even better. And it's found that there was a professor out in South Carolina, Stephen Blair said they actually study deaths that could be avoided. And they have all these different things such as smoking versus non-smoking. So if you didn't smoke, that was an avoidable death. And by, but it turned out that exercise was the biggest reason of low fitness, was the strongest predictor of death. And it's, uh, so again, dogs are, are saving our lives, basically. And so then there's this whole industry of, of pet insurance. And I know we joked last week that uh, uh, Costco, <laughs> who sells wills, they did, but they also sell pet insurance. And by the way, so does um, CAA. And so I'm not saying I'm not saying you should get pet insurance. I'm just wanted to let you know this exists. Um, I know it has helped some of my clients and actually family members. It, there's a cost to any insurance, so you have to understand that when there's an insurance company involved, they are making money too. But when you see a cost of a, if your dog gets hit by a car, 
or there's an illness and the cost. And now you got to decide, is it worth spending that money to save its life? Uh, it's going to cost $5,000 or what have you. If you had pet insurance, you say, you know what? No problem. And the cost of this, uh, the, the Costco one for the, call it the Cadillac model was $84.31 a month. It gave you $7,500 a year in coverage. It had 80% copay. I mean, you paid, they paid 80%, you paid 20%. And there's a $200 deductible. Again, it kind of sounds like your own disability coverage, except for it is now for a, your dog. If I have a question here. I have a question here, Don. Have you run the numbers if you've taken that money and invested it instead of buying the pet insurance? How much would come out the other end for that bill for the dog? Just saying. Yeah, I know. And that's the argument, Scott. And absolutely. And it becomes almost a moral issue because dogs become part of your family. And I'm going to give them. I'm going to go give the money to John rather than giving it to the pet insurance guy. Is that OK? No, I just, I just, I just, I've just learned to lose weight. I got to get a dog. That's my takeaway. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, and again, with this Costco CA has a, a whole lot of different options and as low as $11.73, Scott, if you wanted to kind of, you know, split the difference and save some somewhere and just have it on the side. So there is ways to get around it. See, um, both carriers, I would do your homework, the listeners to see if it even fits in your budget or if you should be doing it. All I'm saying, hey, if pets are so important in keeping you alive, you might just want to insure them too. All right. We have been planning your financial future and that of your pets. Uh, I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. DonFox.net to find out more. And he's brought with him John Juris, IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. What a great show, guys. Thanks so much for taking the time. Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.